Welcome to your bariatric safe space. I'm your host, Brittany with love, and I'm excited to unravel the old and celebrate the new. Let's do it. Hey, beautiful people. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. I am super excited about this season because there is so much that I have to unpack for y'all. Um, it has been such a crazy year. Um, I am, by the time this episode comes out, um, I will be literally the next day um, celebrating my one year post-op journey with BSG. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Um, I'm really excited about it. And I'm excited because this is probably the first time in my life where I've actually said that I wanted to do something and I actually did it. Um, and I can't speak for everybody that has gotten the surgery or everybody that has, you know, uh, endured this journey, any type of journey, any type of weight loss journey, whether it was through surgery or just through, you know, natural weight loss. It hits different when you've consistently been showing up for yourself for a whole year. And I know that it's it's hard, you know, we fall off, there's holiday season, there's seasonal depression, there's so many things that that can happen along the way in a year. But I think for me, um, it's been absolutely eye-opening. Um, so for those of you who do not follow my friend Barry on Instagram, please go do that. Because y'all, I run my mouth on this podcast, but I have my little TED Talk moments and I had one today, um, and the TED Talk moment that I had today was really talking about some things that I have learned over the course of this year, um, and one of them being how I show up for myself versus how I didn't show up for myself um, in my past body. So I, I've realized that I actually love myself. Like... <laughs> I genuinely love the person that I see. And it's not because of my flesh. It's not because of, you know, the work that I've done on the exterior. It's really the work that I've done internally. And what I mean by that is I have taken time to really get to the root of why I struggle with so many things um, or struggled with so many things. So one of the main things that I struggled with was self-sabotage and it projected itself with how I treated people, how I reacted to people versus responding, um, my relationship with my husband, my relationship with friends, my relationship with my kids, um, just all around. And the fact that people dealt with me back then, chow, y'all deserve an award because mm -mm, <laughs> I wouldn't have dealt with me, to be quite frank. And, and honestly, it's not even because um, I don't, I didn't feel like, no, I'm not even going to hold you. I did not feel worthy. <laughs> I'm not even going to sit here and play and lie to y'all. I did not feel worthy. I did not feel like people were genuinely around me because they loved me. Um, I didn't even feel like people wanted to tolerate me because I was miserable. I was miserable in my skin. I was miserable in my body. I was miserable in my head. Like my thoughts were exhausting um, both day and nighttime. And it became so difficult to really want to show up and be that person. Like it became difficult to really say, you know what? The person that's on the inside of me that is screaming, like I literally saw this version of myself deep down inside of that 258 pound body, just waiting for her opportunity to shine, waiting for her opportunity to come out. And there would be moments where I would try to show up and be that that person, the person I am today. 
And it became silly to me. It became silly to try to be a better person because I didn't feel better. Um, mentally, I was drowning. I was physically drowning in my body. I was physically drowning in my circumstances. And it was. it felt like it was impossible to come out of that. It felt like it was impossible to be this person that I wanted to be, but didn't have the ability to be. So I thought, um, and once I started working on my mental health and really digging deep and figuring out who I am and what that looks like for me, um, life just changed. And I didn't start doing my mental work when I got the surgery. I didn't even start doing my mental work post, I mean, pre-op. I started doing my mental work two years before I even considered the surgery. And that was simply because I was living in one room with my husband and my two cho- my two children, and it became overwhelming. Um, my husband was miserable. He was starting to self-sabotage. And my husband is literally the most amazing human being. And I'm not just saying that because he's my husband, because before he became my man, <laughs> my man, my man, my man, um, he was my best friend and still is. Um, he is also my coach. He's my mentor. He is my sounding board. Um, he is my business partner. If I didn't say that already, like he's so many things and plays so many roles to me. Um, but he literally is the peacemaker. He's always been the level-headed one. Even when we were friends, he's always been that person I can run to and just find peace and solitude. And now looking back at it, he was that for me when I was going through all of my emotional healing, all of my trauma healing. And I realized that his peace and his example of that was, I was envious of it because I'm like, how are you so peaceful? And we're all in the same room. And it wasn't that he was peaceful. It was that he was suppressing. He wasn't even self-sabotaging. He was suppressing. He was suppressing so much because he wanted to stay peaceful, but in his private time, he was breaking down. He was having moments. And because I was so much of a monster, because I was so much in my emotions, because I was so much being, you know, just out of control, not controlling my emotions, not controlling my myself, my anything, it made him recluse. And I remember posting a little bit about that on our um, Instagram, the Instagram that me and him have. And oh my God, like people were like, what do you, I had somebody message me and she was like, what do you mean by that? What do you mean that he didn't want to be around you? What do you mean, you know, that, what do you mean by that? And I was like, I mean, I get why she's asking because when you look at us now, it's like, Y'all look like y'all have always, no, we have not always been this couple. Um, We actually didn't start to become that couple um, until probably two years ago um, because we were struggling. Like we were mentally and emotionally struggling and it was because of me. Um, And he took on the role of really being the thermostat for our relationship and really being that thermostat for change when it came to personal development. And I appreciate him so much for that. Um, I feel like every podcast I talk about my husband, but (laughs) y'all, he's just so amazing. And he's taught me so much about myself. Um, he's opened my eyes to a lot of things and really helped me change the paradigm of how I think, um, how I look at myself because he loved me through everything. Like he now looks at pictures of how I used to look. He was like, I can honestly say like today we had a conversation about it and he was teary eyed. He was like, I can honestly say, I never saw you like that. Like 
how I, he's like, I get it now. Like I see, you know, I've been exposed to this version of you now, this smaller version of you, this healed version of you. And he's like, I'm spoiled now, but I had no idea that you were carrying so much physically. He's like, I, I didn't see that. I, I just loved you through it. And I felt like my love was powerful enough to heal you. And it wasn't because you were so deep into your thoughts. You were so deep into self-sabotage that you really couldn't even like appreciate it at the time. So I felt like I was loving you for for myself and, and loving you, you know, my purpose and intention was to love you and, and help heal you, but it wasn't working. And he's like, I, I see, I, I get it. And just processing that and being like, damn, like my husband was really trying to outlove me um, and and be there. And I was so blind at the time. And and I was like, You're this is self-sabotage, Brittany. Like you there's no way this man loves you. There's no way that he he wants you that like that, those are the things that I was telling myself while my husband was authentically trying to love me and authentically trying to be the best version of himself for me during that season in my life. And the fact that he stayed all of those years while I was going through my mess, while verbal abuse was like my go-to for him. And when I say verbal abuse, y'all, I was tearing my husband down. Like that you ain't shit, nigga. Like all, all of that. It was bad. I mean, every five minutes, just tearing him down, telling him like, he, you're just like your family, like tearing his family down. And his family didn't even do nothing to me. Like I was just being, I was just miserable. I was miserable. And I projected onto him. I projected onto my kids. Like it was, it was so, it was bad. It was awful. Like I was literally going on social media talking about how fine other women were because I went through a phase of, for, I was, I hate to say I was born that way, but I, from as long as I can remember, I've always been attracted to women and I got to, I had to heal from that. And it it wasn't that I was attracted to women. They were just a bandaid for the hurt that I had endured from sexual trauma from men. It had nothing to do with me wanting to be with a woman. It was honestly because I had so much sexual trauma from men and I was trying to escape the idea of men um, and everything that they were capable of by getting lost in women. But that was never really an interest of mine looking back in hindsight. Um, But anyways, I would literally go on social media and be like talking about how fine these women are. Mind you, one of the women was, was, knew my husband, was friends with him. And it's like, what? And people would message me like, does your husband see this? Like, are are you aware that you are posting about this and you're married? Like, I get you think it's funny, but that what does that do to his character? And he would brush it off for so long. And I remember one day he sat down and he was like, yo, like, you, you got me out here looking silly. And I was like, why do you feel like that? Like, I, I post pictures of you. He was like, yeah, but you're you're contradicting things and you need to make a choice. You need to make a choice if this is what you want or that's what you want. Because I'm not going to compete anymore. You show more attention and get more aroused over a woman than you do your own husband. And I'm here. They're not. you know. And I realized in several examples and conversations with my husband and even my interactions with my kids um, that I was toxic. Like It was all me. Um, and I had to make a change because I kept projecting to my husband that he needed to change. It was him. It was him. It was his fault. And it wasn't. It was me. It was me. Like there are moments where I just sit back and I'll just get teary eyed thinking about how 
terrible I was to my children. Like what caused me, what really caused me to change how I parented um, was because one day I was going off. Like my son had did something so small, probably like clapped his hands in the car for no reason. I was that, I was reactive over stupid shit, y'all. Like if, if my kids did something that a normal kid would do, like clap their hands just randomly, just sitting and just randomly clapping their hands, I would go off. Like, why are you being so ridiculous? Why are you acting like this? Y'all out of pocket. And I remember one time I went off on my son in the car. My daughter was probably like one years old, two years old at max. Um, and I went off on my son and he broke down and was hysterically crying, like uncontrollably crying. And even in that moment, I turned around and I was like, what the fuck is you crying for? Like I was, I was hot. I didn't even, as a mom, didn't even take a moment. Yes, I cussed at my child. <laughs> okay. I was that monster. Um, and I, I turned around and I had no compassion at all. And I was like, what are you crying for? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know? And he was like, you yelled at me. And I instantly got convicted because I was like, damn, he looks and sounds like me as a child because my parents were explosive yellers. They yelled at me for every and anything, more so my mom because I lived with her and I, I saw my dad once a year during the summer and sometimes on holidays, but mainly during the summer all my life. And it was like, wow, like I've literally become my mom. And I didn't like that feeling. I didn't like looking at my son and seeing that he couldn't even be himself around me. Um, somebody that I carried for nine months, somebody that I birthed, you know, he couldn't be himself because his mom was a monster. And he literally confided in my husband. He went to my husband for everything. If he needed to be comforted, if he needed to be loved, if he needed to be, you know, his, his boo-boo, like, anything. He went to my husband and now that I'm like, that's not your role. You're not a nurturer. That's my role. And it became like a thing without my husband saying it like, but, but you're not even operating in your role. Like I have to take on your role because you're, you're pretty much a monster. And he never said those things to me um, ever, but I could tell by how he just handled things that weren't in his realm. Um, and that really made me feel away because I was like, wow, I'm, I'm literally being the complete opposite of everything that I said I wanted to be as a mom. Um, I've literally turned into my mom, the exact person that I did not want to be like, and I'm not saying my mom is a terrible person, but she raised me in survival mode because she was a single parent. Um, and that is not an excuse. It is not an excusable excuse by any stretch of the imagination, but I understand, um, I had resentment for so many years, um, even into adulthood, hell, even up until a year ago, I had resentment, hell, probably since, until last week, um, towards my mom about her lack of being self-aware, but being aware as a mother. Um, and I realized that it, it, she was, she was raising me in survival mode. Like she was dead ass raising me in survival mode. And I can't, get upset with somebody who was 24 years old raising me in survival mode because at 24, you still a baby. I had my son at 22. So, and when I turned 24, I was still a baby. Like I was still a baby, you know, and I was still growing and learning and trying to understand myself. I couldn't imagine doing it by myself. I couldn't imagine being a single mom. So I can't be upset at how my mom had to adjust 
her life, her everything to raise me. And and, and although it wasn't right, I understand. Um, it doesn't help with the healing process anymore or less, but it, it allows me to understand and identify, okay, so that's how she was in survival mode. Now, how she is now, <laughs> you know, and, and again, I'm not talking bad about my, my parents by any stretch of the imagination because they're people. People are imperfect. People are not expected to be perfect. And I can't hold anybody to a standard that they are incapable of being held to because that's just not their genetic makeup. Neither of my parents are capable of being the version of parents that I needed. And that is unfortunate, but they weren't. What I needed based on how my heart structure is and was as a child, um, they couldn't meet those expectations because they were two New Yorkers from Queens, Brooklyn, you know, Queens and Brooklyn. And I, my dad's Guyanese, so he I think he, I'm pretty sure he was born and raised in Guyana and came here. I don't know if he came to Brooklyn or Queens, but my mom was born and raised in Queens. Um, and to have these two parents who were raised in such a very raw, raw, very gutter environment, I can't expect them to be soft. I can't expect them. Like my parents grew up in the era where, you know, luxury was it, material was it. Like you were all about fashion. You were all about status. And that's not my definition of anything. Like now luxury is my life. If y'all follow my personal page, you already know I am the soft life luxury lover. Um, but I I understand that because of how my parents grew up and what they were exposed to, they were incapable of loving me the way that I needed to be loved growing up, even as an adult. Um, I've just learned to accept that I will never have the version of my parents that I need needed back then and need now. Um, and because of that, I I had to heal. And I had to realize that I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be that to my kids. Um, I didn't want them to see that version of me. And realizing that I became that version of both mainly my mom and then a little bit of my dad was a lot for me. Um, and seeing my son react that way, it was like, man, I am not doing a good job at this motherhood thing. Um, and my husband kind of taught me how to reframe my words because words are powerful. And I used to hate, oh God, I hated when people said that. Like your words are powerful. Yeah, shut up. Like that was my response. Like, shut up. I don't care what you're saying. But I realized that I called myself fat from high school into adulthood. And if you are friends with me on Facebook, and I'm not talking about you're a follower of my Facebook, but you are, I actually approved your friend request. If you go back to my pictures from high school and just scroll through from high school to, to now, you can see where I gained weight over time. And honestly, I was not, I didn't really change my eating. PCOS was a thing, yes, but I didn't really change my eating. I, I, I was eating the same. The most that I did was eat meat. And I was mainly a vegetarian throughout high school. Um, I became a vegan in my adult life and then a raw vegan, but I really didn't switch up. And then a pescatarian at a point um, because my doctor was like, your levels are way too low. So when I was in high school, going to college, I became a pescatarian. Um, but oh my gosh, like I see pictures of an evolution of how my words calling myself that was detrimental to my growth. It was detrimental to my life. 
Um, and I realized that words are powerful. Um, and because of that, I stopped saying, Brittany, you're not a good mother. Brittany, you're, you're not a good wife. Like I stopped beating myself up and that was the introduction and it felt silly. Y'all, it, it's gonna feel silly, but you have to keep going because that silliness is going to transform your life in ways that the scale never can, that a surgery never can. When you are confident in your mind, when you're confident internally, it, it doesn't matter what your flesh looks like. It does not matter what your outer appearance looks like. I wish that I had this mind in my old body. I do, because I wouldn't have cared about my exterior. I would have made different choices that wouldn't have even led me to that place had my mind been clear. And now that my mind is clear, it's like, wow, I was so focused on vanity and my insides were ugly. Like I was putting on lashes and promoting a whole cosmetic line that I created and my insides were ugly. And I'm like, your stuff isn't selling because your insides are ugly. You can slap a label on something and still sell shit. And and some people that are also mirroring the exterior or their flesh being beautiful, but their internal, you know, work not being done and it, and it being shit, of course, they're going to be attracted to you because like things attract each other, you know, and, and I didn't want that. I didn't want to keep attracting people that looked beautiful on the outside, but were ugly on the inside. So I had to make a change. And my friend who got the surgery, um, I interviewed her last season. Her name is Christine. Um, she got the surgery and kept telling me, Bernie, just do it, do it, do it. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. No, because I like food. No, I'm not going to do that. No, 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 no. And after being so miserable and enduring so much pain, like my sciatica had reached a point where I couldn't give my daughter a bath. Um, I couldn't play. I couldn't sit on the floor. Um, I couldn't sit in certain positions. I couldn't do nothing. I could barely have sex. Like it was bad, y'all. And because of that, um, I was like, let me just look. And I remember the night that I laid in bed and looked up my doctor, Dr. Richard. And it was incredible. I just felt a shift. And I woke up the next morning and I told my husband, I'm going to make the call. And I made the call. I was uh, like, I've had enough. And what's crazy is I had looked up the information when I was living with my mom. Um, and it wasn't until months later that I finally went back in my phone, looked up his information and made the call because I realized I was finally in a space. I was in my own space with my family to actually be able to heal correctly. Um, and I made the call. And a year later, it is the best call that I ever made. It was the best yes that I could have ever done because I went through so much to get here. I've endured so much. I have done so much work. And yes, you guys see the physical work that I did, but the internal work, the mental work that I did, I literally gloat and, and boast about it so much because honey, I worked hard mentally. I talked about this on the last episode, I believe, that my therapist that I was seeing when I was living with my mom a few years back, um, she was like, you need to see a psychiatrist. Like, you need to be on medicine. Um, and she's like, I'm not judging you. I'm just letting you know that what you are enduring in your mind is not okay. She's like, I cannot officially diagnose you, but you are dealing with hyper bipolar. I think that's what she said. Hyper bipolar which 
is it's causing me to have very uh, heightened erotic emotions, um, erotic emotions, whatever term she used. And she was like, that's not okay. And she was like, the fact that your brain doesn't turn off when you're sleeping, that's not okay. Um, you replay traumas all day and all night. Um, that's not okay. Like you need a medication that is going to regulate that. And I was like, I'm not with that. Like, I, I don't want to take medication. And she was like, well, you don't have to do your work. You're going to have to do something because you cannot keep living like this. You will either end up killing yourself or you're going to end up getting killed because you're driving everybody else nuts. Like you got to get it together. And after having that session with her um, and she just really putting things back into my court, like she really kickstarted um, um, her and my husband really kickstarted my journey to getting myself together, to doing my mental work because I was like, um, I don't want to be on medication because the medication that I would have had to take y'all would literally make me look like a zombie. Like I was going to be a zombie. And because I had kids, um, me and my husband decided that wasn't a route that I could exhaust because they didn't, he didn't want me to be like that around the kids. And I respected that. I was like, I don't want to be around. I don't want to be like that around the kids either. Um, and we decided that I had to make a shift and I, we started with the surgery once we moved and it was literally, y'all, when I say the best decision I ever made, it was the best decision I ever made. Um, and I am not promoting the surgery in the sense of vanity. It's not what I'm doing. And I have no problem with people doing the surgery for vanity or getting the surgery for vanity or even getting that um, post-bariatric uh, tummy tuck. It's a panty, paninicular, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I just call it the panty surgery. Um, it's the surgery that everybody talks about that is covered by insurance. Um, but anyways, I am not somebody who really like is pressed to do something for vanity. Um, and if that's your vice, that's your vice. But I am and have always been health driven. And the reason why I got this surgery was because of PCOS driving me nuts um, but because I was willing to do the work, I was like, you're telling me that I have to be active. That's fine. That doesn't scare me. Like active how? Like you need me to go lift weights? I'll do that. Like I loved going to the gym, but the pain, the the joint aches and all of that was the reason why I stopped going to the gym and I stopped trying because I would, I would be in more pain from my joints than being sore because I lifted weights. And I was like, I'm working backwards. I'm not working smarter. I'm working harder and I'm in more pain than I've ever been in my life just trying to get healthy. So I just needed help. I needed a tool and I, I found the tool. Um, and it was the best decision. Like my mental state now is better than I could have ever imagined in my whole life. Um, it's, huh, it is like, I'm genuinely happy, um, genuinely. And it reminds me so much of how I used to be when I was a little girl. Um, I was just always happy. Uh, I had a conversation with my husband's grandmother and, and she was like, you know, if I may speak, and, and I hope this is not um, incorrect or, or offensive, but she was like, you just, your personality is very different. Your energy is very different. Like you you just seem very different. Um, and she was like, and if, if I'm incorrect, you know, let me know. She's like, and not different in a bad way, but you just seem like genuinely happy. Like your whole everything is so different. Um, and I was like, thank you. Like, I was like, I did my mental work and I was like, it, it's not about physical. 
it was never about physical for me. It was about being a version of myself that I've never been before. And I was willing to take on that challenge, no matter how it looked, no matter how I had to show up, no matter how much work that I had to do. And I worked hard. Y'all, I've cried a lot in this year, more tears than I've ever cried because of how much I can see now not, and not have blinders up, not deal with self-sabotage. Like, I can actually see and feel how much my husband loves me. I can see how much my kids love being around me now. Like they, my, my thing that I say all the time is I'm literally busting my ass in the gym to make my son proud because when he sees me do something physical, he is blown away and he's like, mom, oh my gosh. And because we had our son when we were so young, um, he was more so our friend growing up. Like he wasn't necessarily our son. Like we didn't treat him like a child, so to speak. Um, cause we were kids. Like he was, he, he hung out with us and my, and our friends. Like he was this, the coolest kid. Um, and he was a real chill baby. He was a real chill toddler. Didn't cry. Like he was chill. So it made it, it made it feel like he was one of our friends. Um, and having that connection with him growing up was great until, you know, I started to turn into a monster. Um, and that connection with my son means so much to me because he was the healing that I prayed for. I, I wanted to be loved a certain way. And my son filled that void for me. Um, at 22, I remember crying or 21, I remember crying in the shower and I was like, man, I just want somebody to love me the way that I love because I love hard. I, I love big. Um, and I was like, I need somebody to reciprocate that. And since my husband at the time when we were dating, he wasn't doing it. I was like, I just need somebody to love me back authentically. And then I found that I was pregnant and my son loved me like, oh my gosh. And he still does, but it became very difficult for him to show that because I was a monster. <laughs> and now being able to be that, have that relationship with him and, and him be proud of me, like him saying, mom, I'm proud of you. Like you look amazing. And I'm, I'm, I can't wait until you can say I've lost a hundred pounds. Like he's like, I can't wait for that because you work so hard. Like my son is about to be eight years old and it hits different when your kid is so proud of you. You know, my daughter, when I first started to lose weight, she was so excited to see that I was sitting on the floor playing with her dolls with her. We were doing like our nails. We were dressing. I was dressing different. And she was like, mommy, you're just so beautiful. Like sometimes I'll just look over and she's just staring at me. And I'm like, girl, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and it makes me like blush. And I'm like, why are you staring at me? She's like, because you're beautiful, mommy. And I'm like, you're beautiful too. She's like, no, mommy, you're really beautiful. Mind y'all. My hair will be a hot mess. I'll be looking crusty. Like she sees me without the filter. Y'all be seeing me with filters on social media <laughs> and, and a bunch of edits to make me look, you know, decent, like a decent human being. But my daughter will just stare at me like bare face, freshly woken up. And she's like flabbergasted. I'm like, girl, bye. Like, but I appreciate you, but okay, I'm just a reflection of you. And she's just like, no, mommy, like, I know that I'm beautiful, but you're really beautiful. <laughs> and she's just so cute. But anyways, it I can honestly say that seeing the reciprocation of love and, and genuine energy around me now 
that has always been here. Like I'm finally able to see it. And that feeling, guys, is, oh, it is something so beautiful. Like it is a, it is my top tier non-scale victory. Like I'm not even going to hold you. That is a top tier non-scale victory, receiving reciprocation, but actually being able to see it and feel it and know that it is real. Like, oh, it's so beautiful. And I wish that for everybody, even people that don't even like me. It, even, I wish it on everybody. I wish non-scale victories on everybody, authentic, everything on everybody, because we need it. Like we need those moments of being able to feel the love that we send out to everybody. We need to be able to feel, you know, that acceptance and not saying that we have to live for it, but actually being able to identify people that are for you is so crucial and it's so important. And I'm so glad that I'm able to have discernment in that area without the scales of my self-sabotage. Like, I am grateful that I lost over 100 pounds, but I am more grateful that I'm able to see the world and people and relationships and myself for who I am and what everything else is. Um, It is beautiful. Like, this year has been absolutely tremendous. Um, Yeah. I'm excited. Like I'm excited for you and your journey. I'm excited for where it takes you. I'm excited for the things that you're going to unpack and discover. I'm excited for the relationships that you're going to build. Like I'm I'm so I'm more excited for y'all because I've already gone through it and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, somebody else gets to go through the change. Somebody else gets to go through the realization. They get to go through the glow up and then they get to lose weight, but that's like, oh great. But you get to like really establish you the real you without having to second guess what you're wearing, without having to worry about how you look to other people or being in your own head about how you look to yourself. Like you you just get to be you and worry about one less thing, stress about one less thing. Like I I, I love that for y'all. Everybody that is just getting the surgery or pursuing getting the surgery or or waiting for their, you know, surgery date, like, oh, I'm I'm so excited for your journey. I really am. If nobody's rooting for you, I'm rooting for you, babe. Like, I mean that so wholeheartedly. I am not trying to win your heart, win your likes, win your support. I'm not trying to win none of that. I I am so serious when I say I am rooting for you because I know what you had to go through to say yes, period. I literally know what you had to go through to go through the process, to go through the uh, phases of the liquid diet, the okay, I have to try to be active. I have to actually do, I, I, I was doing it with you. <laughs> I was doing it before you. If you, ha- if you haven't even started your journey yet, I, I know what you're going through um, to a degree and I am with you and I am excited for you. I'm excited for your journey, whether you are choosing bariatric surgery or you're just listening to this podcast because you need some type of inspiration. I am happy for you genuinely, wholeheartedly happy for you. And I am rooting for your success in whatever journey you decide, whether again, it's bariatric surgery, a BBL, a 360, a tummy tuck, whatever it is, I am rooting for you. Natural, I'm rooting for you, honey, like genuinely rooting for you because changing your body and changing your mind are probably the most difficult things that anybody could ever do. And I get it. Um, and I, I'm glad that you're taking the step to really show up for yourself. 
Um, and I am prayerful and excited that your journey be fruitful, abundant, and successful. Um, so with all of that being said and all those good vibes, I want you guys to have an amazing 2023. Um We've made it, guys. We did it. We are at the last two, three days of 2022. We are here. Um, it is unfortunate that we lost so many people this year, whether it have been family, celebrities, um, people that we don't know, people in and out the news. I am, am heartbroken for everybody that has lost somebody this year. Um, but I am glad that you're here. I'm glad that you are showing up for yourself every day as much as you can, giving it your all. I am grateful for your presence. I am grateful for your energy. I am grateful for you showing up for yourself. And I hope that you're proud of yourself. I hope that you are truly, I, I hate the word hope. Um, I am excited. Uh, that's a personal development thing. Sorry. Hope is not something that per people in personal development use or say. Um, anyways, I'm not going to get on that topic, but I am very excited for everything that you guys and girls and grown women <laughs> are doing and will be doing in 2023. Um, I wish all of you a very, very happy journey, very much success, very much abundance and happy new year. We made it. I'm so excited, guys. I'm so excited. I'm literally sitting here smiling and beaming. If you cannot hear, I am all dimples right now. Happy New Year, you guys. Um, I, I really am rooting for you. And I hope that you have a beautiful, safe, successful, and abundant 2023. See you next year. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. I hope you learned something, laughed a bit, and gained a level of peace in this new journey. Remember to extend grace to yourself. Until next time, friend.